This episode of Into the Boundary is powered by Thomas Financial Group. If you enjoy our episodes, make sure you like and subscribe to our YouTube channel for more exclusive content. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. How you doing? This Wanya Green. Hey, what's up? Um, I'm Keisha Hampton. Yo, what's going on, folks? It's your boy Abdul Rahim Laquan or Senior. I'm Dennis Shaw. I just did Into the Boundary with Lou Mobley. Want to thank you for giving me the chance to come up here on this platform and tell my story. Hey, man, if you're an athlete and you're looking to get your word out, looking to get your story out. I'm up here with Lou Mobley. He's, he's doing good things over here. Get up here and get with my guy, Lou Mobley. Ah. Welcome to Into the Boundary, the podcast with no boundaries, where sports meet real life. I'm your host, Lou Mobley. And today, we are joined by one of the most slept-on ball players that come out of the city of Philadelphia. Two-time Catholic League champion, three-time All-PSAT selection, two-time All-District selection, PSAT Conference Player of the Year, Division II All-American. He scored 1,639 career points, 1,600 of those points coming in three seasons at Lock Haven University. Wally Pepper. There's a Lou Mob or Lou Mob. So, what's up, bro? What's up, bro? Good to see you again. It's been a minute, man. Yes, sir. Uh, last time I seen you, you were at Westchester coming to watch the Lock Haven Westchester basketball game. Yeah, my alma mater. I think that was the year. My man Mayor was there. He actually just got drafted. Oh, well, he got signed to the Knicks. So, shout out to Mayor. Shout out to That's dope. Um, just start this off just like this, man. Tell me what it's like being overlooked, you know, playing basketball in the city, man. Yeah, I mean, it's it's two sides to that, I would say. Like, if you know me my whole life, you probably look at it like that, like, wow, finally getting this opportunity to show what he did. But if you don't know me and you just, like, came across you, but, like, dad, he, like, came through a lot. So, like, it's, it's two sides to it. Like, I feel as though it's just about getting my right opportunity to showcase what I could do as opposed to uh, not being able to do it, I would say. You always seem like a cool dude in high school, very calm, very approachable. You think that got anything to do with, you know, your personality got anything to do with you being overlooked a little bit? Yeah, I think that had a lot to do with it, especially at that age. Like, I was, like, easy going. Like, I didn't want to cause any conflict. Like, I didn't really speak up on things. Like, I was just, like, a go-with-the-flow type of guy, whether – I agree with what I was doing or how things were going or not. Like, I just always just, like, went with the flow. They didn't want to cause any trouble. I just did whatever just to, like, keep things in order. Keep it peaceful, huh? Right. It's crazy. You know, because it's easy to get deemed as, you know, you're a cancer to the team. You're poisonous. You know, a lot of dudes be unhappy because of their roles, man. Just talk about, you know, buying into a role, buying, buying into, like, a goal of a team. Right. Like, sometimes you – it's not always going to go your way. And I think I learned a lot by that, by like having siblings, like having an older brother who like also played basketball. And sometimes I would play with him and his friends. And then sometimes I would play with my friends. And it would be like a different dynamic. Like when I play with my big brother, I'm just like little brother. I just got to do all the little stuff. I just got to find my way to fit in because I'm just with the big brother. But when I with my friends, I felt like I'm more of a alpha male, I guess. So then like, I'm a little more aggressive, more, um, I don't know. I would just say, like, I just got more of a aggression to me as opposed to when I'm with big brothers. It's like I just fall back, fall into the crack. So it's like just one of the things where sometimes you just got to 
be able to do a lot of different things. Like you got to be able to accept a lesser role and be mature enough to accept a bigger role in this activity. Yeah. Just tell me about growing up, man. Where you from? You know, what was your upbringing like? Your family dynamic? Yeah, um, I grew up in South Philly. Uh, you know, it's a typical Philly neighborhood. You know, a lot of violence and drug dealing. Just a, just a, a lot of things that can get you caught up in the wrong stuff. And I was a single mom. I was raised by a single mother. Um, but my dad is my has a my stepmom and they had kids. So I was my mom's only child. But my dad and my stepmom had seven kids together. So I was a only child at home with my mom. But then when I was with my brother, my dad, it was like I had other brothers and sisters like me. So I kind of got like the best of both worlds on the upbringing. Like I would have my time with my mom where it's just, I'm the only child, everything's going my way, and I just can do what I want, and then when I go with my brothers, it's eight of us, and I'm just another one of the brothers, and it's just like, well, one do, all do, like, we got to share this, everything is shared, we sleep, all sleeping in the bed together, we, and also, I got big brothers, I got little ones, so I'm, I'm stuck in the middle, I got to play the big brother role sometimes, and I got to be little brother, so cool. it was like, I had a lot. Like a lot of balance as a kid, I would say. Like I had two different dynamics, so it was it was kind of cool. But sometimes it was like a little confusing and annoying because as a kid, you like sometimes when I'm with my big brothers and I can't have everything to myself, I'm like whiny. But then like when I'm home and I'm just all by myself, but my mom is just like, "Hey, I wish one of my brothers was here." So it was like a little bit of a little bit of both, but it was kind of cool. It was hard understanding the two family dynamics, you know, your mom, your mom and you and your dad and your stepmom was it was it hard understanding that as a kid? Um, I, I honestly, I yeah, it was hard to understand. But like, I just like I said, I always was a go with the flow. Like I didn't even like really even want to ask. Like it really took me like a few years ago to like actually like understand the dynamic of things. Like like I said, I just didn't want to cause any controversy between like my mom or my dad and my stepmom or anybody. I just like. I just, that's what it was, and I just accepted it. Like, when I'm home, I'm home with my mom, and when I'm there, I'm there, and that's just what it was. I didn't really want to get into it. I just tried to soak it in and just take it for what it was. So, you being the only child, you would say you got a real special relationship with your mom? Oh, yeah, of course. Like, like me and her are, like, super tight, like, to this day. Like, she's always been there for me. She's been, like, my backbone from day one. Like, when she's the first person I call whenever... I have a problem, so yeah, we have a, a great relationship. So just tell me your introduction to sports, you know, your first time, you know, maybe you picked up the ball or something happened. Yeah, it's like, like I said, I was my mom's only child, so like I had like a bunch of toys and just basketball courts, football, baseball and bat. Like I had like everything in the house, so literally like I had my court and I would just play on my court all day, every day. Like, you know, sometimes I just play with my football, but like, I would just play on my court, shoot all day, play around all day. And that's just pretty much what I did. That's like my first introduction to basketball. Then it was like, as I went to school, I got more friends, guys across the street that I grew up with. Like they had courts and mm-hmm. then we just, you know, everybody on the block, oh, let's come to your house and play or let's go to this house and play or let's bring our courts out and we all can play on the court. Like it was like one of those type things. So that was like my real introduction to basketball. It was just like from just home and 
just being a kid that had like a basketball court and could just shoot on it. And then, you know, that brings friends from the block and everything. And then it just really took off from there. And that's pretty much all I was doing for a while. Like I would say I started playing like on my court and things when I was about five. And I was doing that probably until I was like nine or 10 is when I like got my first introduction to like organized basketball. Was it competitive at that age? Like when, when, once you got to like nine or 10 years old and it was organized now under the whistle a little bit, did it become like super competitive then or did that pick up later? I mean, I feel like it was always competitive because it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like I said, like I was playing with my cousins, like when my cousins came over for the weekend or my mom, one of her best friends, their sons, like they would come over. So like, they was like my friends. So like, it was competitive. Like we playing one-on-one on the Fisher Price court and it's like competitive. Like we don't want to lose. One of us crying when we lose. You might get in trouble from your mom because you made her, her, her friend's son cry because you just beat him or vice versa. You mad or you didn't hurt, hit him too hard and made him fall. So it was like, and this, we playing on concrete. Uh, right outside the door, you just got the picture price hooked up. So it was like, it was competitive then. But so I don't know. I just feel as though that's the type of person I was. Like, it just always was competitive. It's, so, it's crazy that you really like this calm, kind of mellow dude, but you like ultra competitive. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I don't know what it is. It's just... I, it's just like what was instilled in me. It's like whatever you like or whatever you're passionate about, like just go at it. Like mm-hmm. go ahead and steam. It's like, like I said, like basketball was just something I chose to do. Like it wasn't like forced on me. So like I had a court, I had a football. I used to actually like football too, but I was too skinny. So like I used to like it, <laughs> but I'm like, nah, I'll probably get broken up playing football. So like I like to play football. And, you know, baseball wasn't really popular in our neighborhoods, like in the inner city. So, like, it wasn't really many baseball leagues. So, like, basketball is pretty much what stuck. So, like, in my in my mind, it's just like, all right, that's what you like to do. You got to go hard at it. So, it's just like, that's just how I go at it. Like, when I'm out there, I'm like the ultra competitor. But, like, when I'm off the court, it's just like, I just like to chill. Like, I don't know. There ain't nothing wrong with that. It's good that, like, you talk about balance keep mentioning balance. Yeah. I got to respect that balance. Um, but where, where were these organized sport leagues? You know, where were you playing organized ball at when you started? Um, uh, my first league was, it was like the Powell. I went to St. Thomas at the time. And they had like the Powell League that was like literally at our school. So like after school, we literally come out the, the entrance and then walk around to the, the Powell entrance and go in. Like we did our homework there. Like we did everything there. And like I said, I was a, I came from a single-parent household, so my mom was at work most of the time anyway. So it was neither go to my grandma's house who lived next door or just go to the pile. I used to be like, can I go to the pile? My homework was done, and I'm just around basketball out there. It was like a way to get out. So I started playing at the pile. That's where I actually met Lemon. His dad was like my first coach. He like picked me on his team. And me and Lament ended up playing, but Lament was like five or six at the time, like, cause I got, I got Lament by a couple years, so he just was young at the time, but he was good. Like, I don't know how, but he was just good at like a real, real young age. Like, he was like one of the best players. Like, we playing ten and under. I'm like nine, and I'm like I'm good, but he's like six, and he like good. And I'm like he was wow. better than the people who were older. Yeah, like he was like probably just. Like, me and him is the best two players on our team, and I'm nine, and he's six, and it's ten and under. Wow. So, it's like, it was just a crazy dynamic. So, me playing my first time with 
Mr. Uh, Mr. Man at the pile, he took to me a little bit because, you know, the man was getting started in the playing basketball. He took to me a little bit. He started having me coming over to the park with him and the man. We, we watching games, breaking down games. He telling us, like, what we need to do, got us in the backyard. So, like, that was, like, my real introduction where I just was like, oh, like, this is, like, what it's really about. Like, because I'm just coming from playing on the Fisher-Price and just playing on the, on the block with my friends, maybe at the playground down the street. But, like, I didn't really have no real introduction as no organized basketball. And he pretty much gave me that. And it went from playing at the Powell, and then he took me to other leagues, it was Porter League, and then I was like in the winter. And then that next summer, uh, I started playing over Chu, um, 19th from Washington, Point Breeze Youth Development League. It was ran by Kenyatta Bay and Daewoo Bay. They started the league for the neighborhood. And they pretty much, like, they like friends from my, from my, from my uh, father's side. Like, they like, close with my father's side. We like family when it's like with Kayada Bay, Daewoo Bay and all of them like, and they knew like who my family was. Like my uncles played basketball. Like my big brother was starting to come in and playing basketball too. So they threw us to the wolves. Like they was like, all right, you can play. They threw me out there. Like I was like, nah, now I'm playing in 12 and 13 and under with my big brother, like people his age and mm-hmm. things like that. And like, they started me. Like it was like, you started. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm I'm like, wow. Like, they just pretty much just threw me out there. When, so, when you play up, like, is that hard? Like, is that hard physically or that hard mentally? Like, I mean, it depends on how you look at it. It's like, it's hard because it depends. Like you said, it depends on your approach. Like, if you're used to you being a man at your age and everything going your way, it might be a little hard for you because now you're playing with older kids and you're not that high on the totem pole. Right. So you might get there and you looking like, hey, I'm barely getting the ball. Like they got me just standing in the corner. Or they just got me playing defense. But when I play with my age group, I'm doing whatever. Like I'm the man. So it, it might be a little of a culture shock to you. You might not really like it. But like I said, for me, it was just like I'm playing with my big brother or I'm playing against my big brother at the time. So it's just like I had the threat. Like I had that going for me. Like, all right, cool. Like I get the. I'm just going to do whatever I got to do. Like, when I play with my big brother, all right, I know he's going to do most of the stuff, so I'm going to just get in the corner. I'm going to play defense. I'm going to hit the shot whenever he he kick it to me, if somebody kick it to me. Like, um, at that time, I ended up playing with a guy named Dudert. He was, like, one of the first players, and he would just be like, stand at this spot and just be ready to shoot. Because, like, you know, I could play a little bit. I could hit a, hit a little shot. Like, right. I could make a layup. But, like, when I played up, like, I was still slow, a little weaker. So he's like, just stand here. Like, that's what that was my whole thing. Just stand here and be ready. I'm going to pass it to you, and you shoot. And then, you know, defense, most of the time at that age, we're playing zone. So it's just like you stay in your spots, and you don't let nobody get by you. So I'm just like, all right, that's all I'm going to do. So that was just my thing. And then when I played with my age, it was like, all right, finally, like, I get the ball, and then I'm like, I get to do my thing. So <laughs> I, it, it, like, kind of helped me. Like I said, it's balance. So, right. Like I said, they, they threw me to the wolves at that age, and, like, they always made me play up. So I spent most of my time from the pile. Then I started playing over choose, and it was pretty much playing over there pretty much every summer. Like, during the year, school year, I didn't really play because none of the schools that I went to had um, basketball teams. So I only pretty much played during the summer. So, like, I would spend a lot of my time in the neighborhood summer leagues. Like I said, choose was one of the summer leagues that I played in. And they always had me playing up. So it's like as time went on, I just got better and I just 
got better and I just learned how to do little things on the court to stand out or to help the team because, you know, like I, I didn't want to let my big brother down or like one of my big homies, one of my old, like one of the older guys, I was, I didn't want to let him down. Like, cause like I said, I was part of the team. Like they threw me out there. They started me and I'm like playing with bigger, stronger kids and just like, all right, well, I got to find my niche. Like I got to do something. So, so how did you end up at New Nigga Ready? Um, so, uh, like around that, I went to St. Thomas, like I said, but after I left, I left St. Thomas in fourth grade. So that was like the year, I, the third grade was the first year at a pile. And then the second week I did the fourth grade when I played at the pile. But I left St. Thomas in fourth grade, LF for, for fifth grade to go to Trinity. Uh, it was a little small, um, like, I don't know, charter or Christian school on like 19th and Porter in South Philly. And I went there for fifth, sixth and seventh grade. So they didn't have a team. So it was just like I just in wintertime like I was on big on books like like during school I didn't play CYO or anything so when I was home it was just grades like I, I was cool I played video games like in the wintertime I pretty much just hibernated I guess like right I just stuck to school and then in the summertime that's when I actually got to play and have fun and everything so the Newman thing came about pretty much because. My eighth grade, I went to the Trinity School for five, six, seven. But then eighth grade, I ended up going transferring to St. Charles, which was another Catholic school, CYO, and I finally got to play CYO my eighth grade year. And I was at a Catholic school, and like I had good grades. So you know, when you go to Catholic school, you you get like a you get Roman and West Catholic and all the Catholic high schools in the area. Like that's who they try to help you apply to, like to get into those schools. So. It was just more so for my grades. Like, I, it was like, I think the schools was like Roman, West Catholic, and Newman was like the ones that was like high on my list. I wanted to go to Roman because my uncle, Donnie Carr, he went there. Like, we had like the, the whole like family tradition type thing. Like, right. So, like, Roman was like my first choice, but I didn't pass the placement test somehow, some way. And then uh, um, I, I had another placement test for West Catholic, and I had another placement test for Newman. So once the Roman thing didn't want to go, I was like, all right, I want to go to West Catholic. So it was like, all right, West Catholic is out the way, and I'm just going to go to West Catholic. And he had girls. Like, honestly, it was like a co-ed high school. Like, Newman was all boys, and Roman was all boys, but I didn't mind because it was like the family aspect of it. It was more right. so that was the reason why I really wanted to go there. So once it was between Newman and West Catholic, it was like, nah, I want to go to West Catholic. And I had all the tickets on going to West Catholic, and then... Uh, like I said, I got accepted to both schools, but like when well, mom like, where do you want to go? I'm like, I want to go to West. So I'm like, all right, damn, I'm going to West Catholic, like West Catholic, West Catholic. So school come day before school, my mom like, yeah, uh, first day of school tomorrow, I got your uniforms laid out on the bed, like for schools, make sure you're ready for school tomorrow. So I'm like, all right, bet. Go in the room. It's a Newman uniform. <laughs> I'm like, mom, what's this? I thought I was going to West Catholic. She like, yeah, uh, I think Newman would be better for you. Like, you know, I'm from South Philly. It's in the neighborhood. You can either catch the bus or sometimes you can walk if it's not too bad. Like, and you'll be closer. Like I said, it was just me and her pretty much. So it was easier on her to know, like, I was still in the neighborhood, like, going back and forth with commuting because a lot of the times my mom was maybe working one or two jobs to support us. So a lot of the time when I'm waking up, for school, she's already at work. She's just calling me to make sure I wake up. And then when I get home from school, she's still at work. 
and she probably not getting home by nine ten o'clock, and I'm either sleep or she getting ready to come in and go right to sleep. So my mom put a lot of trust in me with like make making my own meals, keep making sure my homework. Like she was like, you got your homework done. I'd be like, yeah, like she'll check it for a couple of days, then some days she might not, and then some days she will. But you know, like how I go, if you're not doing what's right. Your teacher's gonna find it like it was eventually gonna come to her, and I didn't want that to happen. Like I didn't want to let her down. Like so, I made sure I, I stayed on top of things. But yeah, she pretty much like told me like, yeah, I, I feel a, a little, lot better if you went to Newman. Like it'll be a lot safer. It's closer. You don't gotta worry about waking up early, getting on the train. So I'm just like, all right, cool. It is what it is. Like I said, like I didn't want. I never was the kid to like get mad, blow up, like make a big deal about it. I'm just like, all right, cool. I'm going to Newman. So. I get to Newman, first day, <laughs> all my friends is there. Like, all my friends is there, like, from grade school. Because, like I said, I started out at St. Thomas, and St. Thomas was literally, like, around the corner from my house. So, like, I never really lost contact with none of those friends. Like, um, my cousin still went there. Like, Dennis, he wound up going to Newman with us. He still was at St. Thomas. So, me and him was tight. So, I still, like, had a little interaction with all my same friends. So they ended up all going to Newman. So I get there and it's like, all right, like all my friends is here. Then I see like older guys that I didn't even know. Like like I said, I, I wasn't really big on the whole basketball aspect of everything because like I was on during the winter time when all the school sports and everything was going. I was just home. Like right. I was doing my homework. I played my game one day. I was big on video games, Madden, Live, 2K, any of that. I was just in the house playing that. So I didn't really know, like, who was at Newman, who was at these schools or anything. And then I get there, I see Earl, I see Dave, uh, Tad. These are all guys that I watch from the pile, from Choose. And, like, and I didn't even know they all was at Newman. So I was like, oh, all right, like, it is what it is. Like, we in here, we at Then Scoop. I see Rick. I see Ramon. Uh, Ramon was in the CYO. Ramon Moore, he uh, ended up playing for Clutch. He's playing pro right now. He uh, was in the CYO. He was like the big, like the big fish of the CYO. So like, I knew he was going to Newman because that's all everybody talked about in the CYO. My eighth grade, like he was like the marquee player. So everybody knew he was going to Newman, and like he was there. And like I said, the Earls, the DJs, Dave's, like it was just like a lot of people, even just like normal people from the neighborhood that I never knew went to Newman. It's like people that I see in the neighborhood. So it was like, all right, yeah, like Newman's. Like I can, I can, I can rock with this. Like, so you're not even at that time, like really putting together in your head, like yo, where you fit in on the team. Like you're not even thinking about basketball. You're just talking about the school dynamic. Yeah, because that's pretty much where it was at with me. It was just like basketball was just basketball. It was just like school was school. So it was just like it was just the whole school dynamic. Then the basketball, it was like a culture shock. Cause like I said, like I played with played with these guys, Scoops, Ricks, Tabs, Earls, DJs, and they like like I said, we played over truly. And they all playing, they playing in older groups or like they in the older group and they actually like balling. Like I'm playing on my, uh, with my big brother team. So like, I'm just like, I'm out there, but like I said, I'm just playing the role. Like right. they out there killing. So I'm looking at it like, hey, they all go here. Yeah. Like, especially like Earl, cause Earl, I knew Earl pretty much my whole life. Him and my big brother, they like went to the same school. So like, they was like two of the good kids from the neighborhood. So I knew Earl the whole time. Mind you, Earl like a grade ahead of me. I'm like, dang, like Earl in the tenth grade. Yeah. So I'm like, so when the team dynamic came, it was just like once again, dang, I gotta find my niche, like see where I can get it. Like, I definitely gotta make the freshman team because I'm like, all right, I pretty much know who's here from the CYO and 
I'm like, all right, I at least got to make the freshman team and just work my way up. That was just how I was looking at it. So freshman year, you know, um, what's your first experience with Coach Carl? You know, what's so what you remember from that year with Coach Carl? Um, my first year, like I said, I was on a freshman team, but Scoop and Rick, they was on JV and varsity at the time. And then the Twins, the Mars Twins, they was at Newman every year too. They ended up coming along. They was on JV. They wasn't even on varsity. So it was just like, I was just like always around it. Like, like I said, like, I just wanted to be here. Like, Scoop was my guy. Like, I was just rocking with Scoop. Like, after school, like, we'd just be up at the gym all day. Like, he go from here practice freshman with us, then he practice JV, then he practice varsity. And I just watched. Like, I just wanted to be around. Like, I was just soaking it all up. Cause like I said, all these guys is guys that, I've been watching like in the neighborhood. So now it's like, dad, they right here in my face. Like I just, I'm soaking it all up. So Coach Carl was just Coach Carl. He was cool. Like I, I asked, could I like be the manager? Like my freshman year, I was the manager of the varsity team because I just wanted to be around. Like I just wanted to travel. I just wanted to be a part of it. And that's pretty much what my role was. Coach Carl was cool. He was the same old Coach Carl. Like, <laughs> so, you know right. how he is. Like he's just that. Yeah, he, he definitely cool got like he just back. Yeah, like so when I asked, it was more so Coach John. I like asked Coach John because like he was more hands on like with the varsity and the JV and like the whole how everything went in Heron. Like I asked him, I'm like, yeah, can I like be the manager or something just like so I can be along? And then like I was like that guy like on the bus with Scoop, like we freshmen, we Scoop and Rick, like we the only freshmen that's just around. And I used to just vibe with them for the most part my freshman year, and I played freshman. Scoop and Rick would play like they play like twice when we play like the prep and Roman like because you know those those games is like personal so well man yeah well man if it's freshman JV or varsity like you gotta be prep you gotta uh-huh. be Roman like you gotta beat the big dog so they would let them play with us in freshman sometimes so like that was just pretty much my whole freshman year just like soaking in everything because it was all so new to me and just did you start uh, freshman. Yeah, I started a freshman. Well, when Scoop and I made play. <laughs> so, like, the Twins, like I said, we had the Mars Twins. They started. Uh, when, when when they came, it was Scoop Rick. Scoop Rick, the Mars Twins. And I forgot who the extra person. Probably, like, Hattie or somebody. Right. Or, like, a, another guy. So, I started when Scoop and Rick came play, though. Normally, it would be me, Hattie, the Twins. And I can't think. Ernie, I think Ernie was our point guard. Like, we had another point guard. Shout out to Hattie, man. You know, yeah, that's my yeah. guy. Yeah, that's my guy, too, man. Like, we went through we everything. That was our quarterback. Yeah. yeah. He was our shooter, so, yeah, he was around. Yeah, I talked to him recently and told him I wanted to get him on the podcast. You know, we, we got to wait till he stopped going to shore every weekend. Though. Yeah, that's his thing. You know? <laughs> man, he can't play. No, yeah, so going into the sophomore year, you know, um, what really changed? You know? Sophomore year, everything changed, really. Because, like I said, freshman year, we was at just Newman. It was all boys. Mm-hmm. Second year was the combination of us and Garay. Y'all were excited about that? Yeah. I mean, we were, but once we got there, it was like, Dad, we, we wish it was all boys. Because, like, honestly, like, out of my four years of high school, that freshman year probably was the funnest. Because it's like, it's all boys. The teachers, like, approach things differently. Like, whether it's male or female, it's like all guys in there. So, you know, like, when there's a bunch of guys in the building, we know how to interact. Like, it's just like a like a different vibe. Like, right. teachers will get on you. Like, they'll talk to you in your kind of way. Like, we just joking around with each other, like, saying any old thing. 
But when it came to the girls, we were like, all right, yeah, we got girls now. Like everybody was happy, but like it was a little different with the administration. Like teachers were a little more strict now. Like you couldn't say and do certain things that we was used to doing because there's girls in the building now. Like we gotta be more mindful of things like that. So it changed a little bit, but it was actually fun. Like it, it, it was fun. Sophomore year, we that was our first time with girls and what happened sophomore year we actually won a championship so that was our first year there we won a championship so sophomore year was cool i was on jv and practicing with varsity that year pretty much so who was on that varsity team who were the starters on that varsity team on the chip my sophomore year it was gabe burton rick started scoop started um dj and earl that was the five and we had Connor, my man Connor. He came off the bench, so that was the six. I like played six, and so by then the twins had transferred. Yeah, the trans, the twins transferred after our freshman year. They they got dismissed for too many demerits. Like you know how it is at Newman, like you get demerits for a uniform violation. I have your tie, I have your sweater. So like they just built up a, a lot of demerits, and I guess um I don't know what happened like. Come I on. feel like something. I feel like something should have happened, or something could have happened to make it work. But 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 just think about it like this: How would you have played both the Morris twins and Rick? That's why I think it came down to it. Just like at the end of the day, like maybe we it's just too much. Like, I, I I think it could work. Cause I don't know. Were they were they they probably weren't, but were they good? Like were, yeah. they, were they nice freshman year? Like yes, that? they were six five, six six. They could do everything. Like. Like, they were still young. They was a little skinny. Like, honestly, like, it's a funny story. Like, our freshman year, I don't think none of them could really dunk until, like, after conditioning. Like, them, Rick, or uh, the Twins or Rick, like, they was, like, still coming along. Like, it was, like, six five six six starting to dunk, like, just starting to come in along and wow. doing everything. But they was, they was good. Like, they still had the face-up game. They could post. They could shoot. They could handle the ball, both of them. So, like, they was tough and just – you know, like they kids, like they was thirteen at the time. So wow, they just that's that's you just think about that school being like that much talent. Yeah, Ramon was there too. Ramon Moore, he ended up going to Temple. He he wound up leaving Southern. He was there for a day, but he was even good. Like he just like we sat in the class, man. Like I said, he from the CYA. We sitting there. He like I don't know if I can do this. All boys like. Yeah. There's all boys in here. I might just got to leave. Well, like, this might be my last day. I might go to Southern. My cousin do dirt over there. I think that might be the best fit for me. So I'm just sitting there like, man, it's not playing. Like, you joking around. He literally only went there for one day. I mean, people, a lot of people don't even know that he went there. But that was another person that was there at that time that ended up being a great player that, that we had had to figure out. It's, it's it, Like, I always tip my head in all these interviews, you know, Coach Carl keeping what he can keep together because yeah. it's it's a lot of talent walking through that door and there's only one basketball exactly. man. And that's the I think that's his greatest asset as a coach. You know how to mesh the talent together and make sure everybody get along. Like you put all those egos and make it into one team. Like that's the one thing that he preaches. Like there's no is nobody bigger than a team. Like mm-hmm. like he coaching the best player on the team when he coaching the last player on the team. If you're on the sideline, you could not be in the game. You could be on the sideline watching the scrimmage, but you're on the team, and he's still coaching because you might not be paying attention. You might not hear uh, instructions. So it's like he's coaching everybody. So it's like nobody 
is above the team. Like everybody gotta be here for this goal, and the goal is to get the championship. So you know that coming in. Like, yes, you're great. We want you. We need you. All that, but you gotta buy into what's going on. And, and it was the family. Like that's the NG family. That's how we call it. Like you, you just gotta be a part of that. Like nobody's above that. So you gotta understand that no matter how good you are, you're gonna get another good person. Like you said, the talent just keeps coming. So. If you come in here, you know what you come here for. You come in to win, and you come here to set. You might have to sacrifice in order to win, but you go and get your opportunity. And when you get your opportunity, it's up to you how you make the best of it. Like you learn that Newman, like you only really need one year because at Newman, get ready. You playing on a national schedule. Like in my time, we playing at Wake Forest and uh, all types of. We going to Houston. We going to North Carolina, South Carolina. Like we traveling. We playing at the Hall of Fame. We playing at Seton Hall over in Jersey, so you playing a national schedule every year. So all it takes is a couple good games and one good season. Like DJ was the the all, like the first person that like showed me that aspect of Newman. When I first got there, DJ was six or seven man in, in the lineup as a, as a sophomore. Like DJ be a little frustrated, like dang man, like I wish I could play more, like this and that, this and that. Then junior year come, he wasn't even starting. Now he the leader scorer. He averaged 20 points. Now he got this school, that school coming to the gym and just like all in one year. Like you go from being upset because you're not playing now, now you're here. What you going to do? So he he like, by far is probably the best high school player that like I remember watching. Well, maybe he's just my favorite. Nah, yeah, you got to look. Especially at that time, like he was everything. He was defense. He giving you buckets. He blocking shots. He getting dunks. Like, he's just everywhere. Like, you, you, you got to love DJ. And he's still that way to this day. I just watching him play yesterday. It was like, DJ is DJ. Oh, he was definitely like, you know, athletic. Yeah, like, you had to love DJ. So, junior so junior year, um, how did that season go for you guys? Junior year, won the championship again. Um, Dave Burton left. So, Jamal, this is when Jamal came in. And Jamal stepped into the starting lineup. It still was cool. Rick, Earl, DJ, and now Ma replaced um, Dave. And Frankie, Frankie Biondo was our sixth man. He replaced Connor, and that was the same, like, same little dynamic. Like, that's just pretty much how it was. And what's your headspace? Now, this is three years. Are you technically really not playing varsity or getting much time? Like, what's the headspace that's even still keeping you on the team? We was winning. Y'all were winning. (laughs) We get rings. Like, we having... uh, Victory parades at Chickies and Pete's, every everything's free. Like we just eating, like so it was just that. Like everybody, like everybody was winning. Like one one we all when we get rings, we get love in the school. We a nationally ranked team, so we we traveling. So it was that aspect, and like I said, like it was a crazy dynamic because every year, like I had like a different bond with a different teammate. Like my freshman year, like I said, it was me and Scoop for the most part. And Earl, because, like, they was, like, the guys I knew, like, Earl Meath, Earl and DJ. Like, Earl and DJ, like, they was tight. So, when I was with Earl, I was with DJ. Or I was with Scoop. But then, like, my sophomore year, me and – no, no, yeah. My sophomore year, it was just more so Scoop always. And and then it was Earl. But then my junior year, me and DJ got real tight from me, my time being with Earl. And him and Earl being real tight. Me and DJ got tight my junior year, so – that was another part of just seeing how he just went from not really playing and not being happy to coming onto the scene and now he's killing. Like that was like my motivation. I was like, all right, like 
my time won't come. Like, I'm about to be a senior. All I gotta do is just have that breakout year. So my question is this: This is a sneaky question. Like, do y'all know, like, for example, like a guy like DJ, he don't explode to his junior year, right? Y'all know, like freshman year, like he 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 been tough. Like y'all just ain't seen it yet. Yeah, like cause we that's the and that's the, that's probably the best part about Newman. And that was another thing that kept me there. Like the competition at practice was like unreal. It was like Division One caliber players all around you from each level, freshman level, JV level, junior uh, varsity level. So it's like every day in practice is you playing against some of the best players in the city, like. Scoop was a high recruit. Rick was a high recruit. Earl was a high recruit. And then you got guys like DJ who popped onto the scene who was good. So, like, we knew who was good because we playing against each other every day. I'm talking about it's competitive. Like, like our open runs and our just days at practice, like, you had to come play, whether you was on the bench or you was a starter because the starters coming, they coming to cook you, and they're going to let you hear about it. And the coach is going to let you hear about it. Like, granted, like, we the best – like, one of the best teams in the state – and we got one of the best starting fives, and we expecting to kill everybody that we play against. But in practice, you got to hold your own. Like, Coach Carl not going for us getting beat by 30 in practice. Like, yeah. you know, stop the practice, get on the bench, have us running. Like, y'all got to, like, challenge these guys. Like, so in our mind, we like, first of all, we ain't trying to let the coach get down because we trying to get find our way on the court. Right. We're not trying to have them just embarrassing us, laughing about because they wasn't just going – yeah, play around and just cook us. And no, they was going to kill us. They was going to let us hear about it. And they was going to play defense, not try to let us score so they can embarrass us through oops on us. So it's like, no, nah, you're not going there. <laughs> so, so just tell me, um, that's so funny. Just tell me who you might have got, got the best of in practice over the four years that nobody probably know about. I ain't gonna lie, I used to get everybody in trouble. Like, like I used to get cooked, but I used to do a lot of cooking too. Um, it depends. Like, I play a couple different positions, so sometimes I would, like Earl would be my matchup, or they, uh, um, DJ would be my matchup, or Scoop would be my matchup. So like, I, I just had my times. Like, I used to get off more so when we would have like the scout teams, like we playing against. I say we playing Roman, and like I was always the scout teams like number one scorer. So, like, we about to play room. He's like, yeah, you got to be Bradley Wanamaker today. So, when you get the ball, you just put your head down, attack, go to the rack, and, and kill. So, all right, we run it. And, you know, we doing scout team. So, we running eight plays. So, now I'm just going. So, whoever whoever got that assignment of guarding Brad, they in trouble because that's oh, that's some more I'm in the practice. Or I'll never forget the one day I'm play, we playing Jeff Jones. You know, Jeff Jones was shooter, like, one of the carefully all-time leading scorers. So, in practice, like, the plays is designed for me to just run around. Everybody on the team is just setting me straight. I'm just running around all day. He like, whenever you get it, shoot it. Mm. What? You telling me? I'm running around. I'm letting it fly. Boom, mm. boom, hitting. So, I'm just getting everybody in trouble. Coach snapping on them. Like I said, like, we killing them, they in trouble. We getting killed, we in trouble. So, like, it was just like, everybody used to get it. So, like, they used to see it. Like, if you see it, like, you see like, you had to be on your P's and Q's all day because the bench guys uh, go in there. We might start cooking up, be up 10, 15 points in the scrimmage. And now Coach Carr yelling at them because they getting killed. Like, it was it was one of those type of things. And you basically had a 1A and a 1B team. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, that's pretty much how it was. But on the outside, you want to see that because we pretty much only played six people, maybe seven. Maybe seven. Yeah, sometimes. Probably extra big and extra guard. Yeah, pretty much. But that was – or dynamic, so like everybody didn't get to see that. But anybody that was in those doors, and that was another thing about our practices, 
like us tips off and Coach Carl, like we pretty much had open practices. Like it was like a, a family feel. Like yeah. like I said, it was points in times like we didn't leave school. Like we would dismiss, go right into the gym, and everybody wasn't practice. We had freshmen, JV, and varsity practice, but we would still be there watching the freshman practice. And then you know we got people from the school, like they just coming. You know the school was connected to the gym, so people would just right. come in. We just sitting there, man. As long as you're not being disrespectful too loud, Coach Carl or the coaches, they didn't really mind. So that was another aspect of it. Like we pretty much had spectators, like our friends, our families, anybody could pretty much come to our practice. So like where it got around, like if, if it didn't get around, like on the mainstream, like in the neighborhood, oh yeah, I heard some such was getting killed that practice, or you was getting killed that practice. So that's crazy. We talking about practice though. Yeah, practice. You didn't talk about the game. I'm talking about our practices was like intense. <laughs> like people really used to come to our practices and just. Hang out and just watch and just chill. Like it was like one of those atmospheres, and that was another thing. Like Coach Crow just made it so comfortable for us, and like to where the point is, we had to just buy in and respect what he was doing because he was just like so cool off the court. Like he was, it was more than just basketball. Like he just wanted us to be comfortable and just be able to have that place because he knew where we came from. So he just felt good knowing that we was close and we was just around the program and just looking after the younger guys and just interacting with students and our family. And so it was just one of the things that was just like the atmosphere he built for us. And that's why I was just like, we all had to just buy in. Cause it was like, look what he's doing for us. Like with high school team or any type of organized in college, high school, anything where you, your friends don't even go to the school can just come to your practice and just sit in on your practice. And it's not a problem. Like, you never, you never hear yeah, so it was just like one of them things. It's like he's doing all of this for us. Like, you got no choice but to respect and go hard for him. As long as it's respectable and everything is under control, he ain't really mine. But you had to, like you said, you had to compete. Because it was parents, friends. You got your girls from high school. You might have your girlfriend at practice. <laughs> your crush might be at practice from your class. So it was intense there. So senior year, um, how did senior year go? Senior year, we lost. We lost in the chip to Roman. Lost in the championship. That would have been a three-peat. We lost. Um, that was the year I actually played, but I didn't even start that year. Uh, me and Hattie, me and my man Hattie, we was the seniors. We was the sixth man, sixth or seventh man. Like, we were the two guys that got in. And it was um, Scoop Rick, Jamal, and we had Rashad Savage, who transferred then. And it started out as Terrell Taylor originally started, but then Tony, Tony Chenault ended up starting. And that's, that's the, 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 the dynamic that's so crazy about our team. Terrell Taylor pretty much went from starting to not really pretty much getting in because, like I said, you got those two guys off the bench that he always got that's pretty much set in stone. Right. So Terrell went from starting to not even really playing that much. And Tony... He, he was a junior at the time. Yeah. He lost his spot to a freshman. Yeah. Tony came in and Tony started starting. That's crazy. So, like, you know, what's some of your uh, best memories from my senior year? Like, was senior night special to you? Yeah, that was the only game I ever started in high school. Senior night was the only game I ever started. We played Carroll. It was a fun dynamic. But the senior year, it was just like, I was just happy to be playing finally. And, you know, Scoop, that was Scoop and Rick's senior year. They was going to Syracuse. Like, so that was just like, that was the 3 P year. So it was just like so much going, like, behind the year. And it was just like, that's what pretty much was what it was all about. But that year was like crazy. We went to, we probably lost like six or seven games that year, and it was like all championship games. Like we went to 
we went to like a Christmas tournament in uh, what's that? Good Council, Maryland, and we went to the championship of the, of the tournament, but lost in the championship to Good Council. They had like Kendall Marshall. He ended up going to the NBA, but he was like a freshman. But we ended up losing to them. We uh, we went to Wake Forest. We played the Nate tournament, and we went to the championship again. And lost in the championship to a team from Florida. And they killed us. Like they beat us by like 20. We lost to them. Then we went to the Caffey League Championship. Lost to Roman. We went after the season. We went to a tournament out Hamburg, out in Maryland. Went to the championship. Lost in the championship to Roman again. And then we had like a um, a Christmas, like a Syracuse Classic. Because, you know, Scoop and Rick was going to Syracuse. They had like a, a little tournament where like all their recruits, they had like a big recruiting class coming in. So like. All their recruits like had teams and like we all played against each other. And we wound up losing out there too to uh, Dante Green and Malcolm Bellini. They both ended up playing pro too, and we ended up losing to them. But then we wound up getting them back in our hammer. So like that senior season was just like the one that got away pretty much. Like especially like with me, Scoop and Rick and the rest of the seniors. I had it like that was the three P year. That was like mm. the year like we we was like so- top top eight top ten in the preseason so like that was just like the year and it's just like we felt a little short. So do do um do the Newman family like hold y'all accountable to that? Like yo, y'all the ones that mess up the three P. Nah, not really, because after the three P uh we lost and then I think they lost another year, and then they won six in a row, so it was like <laughs> they ain't care. It was just like and like um uh, Coach Mark and them, they had like a, a, a year where they won two in a row and they wound up losing. So like it was like a little run and Tab and Tab, he, him and Twan and them, they won two in a row. Uh, little Del Brocco, like it was like a, that was like a pattern where they would lose, win two and then lose. So we didn't really get no grab about it. It was just like us personally, like our senior class, like we took it personally, especially like with Scoop and Rick because like Scoop was the high recruit, so Rick was the high recruit and like he was like making his McDonald's case and like having that that chip on his case, like it was it was a big, especially going against Roman. They had Brad, he was another high recruit. He was doing his thing too. So it was just like we ain't wanna lose to them. So it was just like Y'all know all them guys outside of like high school basketball, huh? Yeah, because you know that's the time AAU was taking off and that was probably another thing that like helped that didn't help me with like go under the radar. Like I didn't play AAU. Like, I might have played probably, like, five or six AAU tournaments in my life. But why didn't you play? Because first, um, I was playing with Corey Irvin. Yeah, that's a part that I didn't even get into. Like, I, um, another part of my organized basketball, I um, started playing in Corey Irvin basketball camp. It was, like, I was, like, 11. It was, like, um, ran by this guy, Omar Tico, and a couple other guys from the neighborhood. They, like, started, like, this basketball camp at the Julius Irvin Foundation. His son, Corey Irvin, had, um, got, had passed. They had started, like, a camp and an AAU team and everything. And I used to go to the camp. I used to play there, and they had, like, an AAU team. But um, the guy, Omar, he ended up being arrested for some things. Like, the, the operation pretty much got shut down. So I was playing with them, and... That team got shut down, so that was it for me. And then I started playing with the Ballhawks, but um, they pretty much dropped my age group. 
So it was just like the younger guys, and it was just like strictly like the high school, like 18 and under. Like, so right. I was like 14 or 15 at the time. So I didn't, it was neither play up and not really play, or I couldn't play with the older. I was too old to play with like LeMan and Dion and that group. So I was just right. like stuck in the middle. So, and I like to play. Like, so I was like, all right, to travel. Like, I travel with my high school. So I ain't really hyped to travel to play basketball. I'm not playing. Like, I do that all year, like at right. school. So, like, I wanted to be home playing in the summer leagues, and that's pretty much what I did. Like, I was playing at Chews and Tiffany and any other summer league you could think of that was around my way. Bear Recreation. Like, I was just playing Positive Image, like, Sunny Hill. Like, I was just doing those type things in the summertime because I wanted to actually play. Like, I'm like, I, I get to travel and sit the bench, like, for high school. So, I ain't about to do that in the summertime for EAU and – so I could play. So during those summers, like, do the neighborhood guys know you nice? Yeah, like in the neighborhood, I was I was catching records. Like, I was balling, and that's pretty much like that's how like basketball players like they know like like not to try to like boost myself up, but they pretty much like know and respect my game because like when you had to come, like everybody didn't play at you or you wasn't every single weekend. So like sometimes they would come and play in those summer leagues, and those summer leagues that they playing in, I was playing in those summer leagues. And like, like I said, Chew was like one of the big ones. Like everybody played over there. Anybody could think of Kyle Lowry's, uh, Tabs, uh, Scoops, um, Tyreek Evans even played there before. Ronde Jefferson, like anybody that you could think of that was somebody in Philly basketball played over that playground. So mm-hmm. like, Wayne Davis, like anybody, my brother Caddy, like I'm just just naming some names. Like everybody just played over there. So. When you came over there, like like I said, they had me playing over there since I was like nine. So now I'm like 14, 15. I'm used to playing with the older guys. And they start allowing me to play with my age group. So now I'm playing my age group and I'm playing up. So like I said, I'm getting both I'm getting both dynamics. So people who came through, like, they knew. Like Malik Wayne's played over there, Tony. Like I'm just thinking about names of people that I've played against. Like they knew, like, I was over there doing my thing. So I got respect from a lot of the players. It was just like on the mainstream, like high school, and and I guess like when it came to college recruits, like nobody really knew me. But if you came and you was playing at Philly playgrounds and things like that, like I, I got my respect as a player there. So like the players pretty much knew it was just like getting in, in the spotlight, pretty much, or getting like on that platform to show what I can do. And I guess that's the one downfall of going to super powerhouse school, huh? Right. Like I feel as though. Like, if I went to West Catholic, West Catholic, not really that famous for basketball, I probably would have been able to get on the court and be able to play. But part of me, like, actually likes it this way because, like, you know, when you're young and you get everything and everything's going your way, when you hit a little bit of adversity, it's, it's sometimes I find it hard for people to, like, get back from that because you've always been at the top. So now when you got to be that, that other guy or just got to be that one guy, a lot of people can't take it. So by me being at Newman and and just like having to play a role, it just like helped me like to just be able to keep striving for it. Cause like, all right, I'm playing against the best guys in the city, so like, I know I belong. I just gotta get there. So my mindset was keep my grades in order, be able to get into school, and I'll be good. Cause I just gotta find a team like that'll accept me, and then I'll be able to do my thing. Right. So when it came to recruiting, what was it like a lot? Did you have options? Um, I had a bunch of D three schools. 
Uh, I had a couple D3 schools, and I had one D2 school, which was Shippensburg, like, that was recruiting me, but they, like, was recruiting me to, like, walk on, because, like I said, I, was, I had grades, I was academically eligible and everything. So they was, like, trying to get me to come on for, as a walk-on, and then D3s, they don't offer athletic scholarships, so it's like, I'm going to have to pay my way through school, so it was just, like, my recruitment, it was, like, I didn't really like it because it's like my in my mind I was thinking like all right if I at least go to a D two school because at this time uh, Flip Murray he was like a D two like guy that went to the NBA and he had, had happened to be from Philly so like we knew that story so I'm like all right well he a guy from Philly he went to D two school so let me at least like try to get to a D two school and then like, I know I can make it if I get to a D two school right so that was pretty much my mindset. But I, like I said, I only had one D2 school and it was the walk on. So I'm like, hey, I can't even get a scholarship to a D2 school. So I'm like, I don't even know if I even want to go to school, like uh, go to college. Like I might just find me a job because I uh, graduated at like 17. So like I was like trying to figure out like what exactly I wanted to do. And I honestly didn't even go to school after my first year after um, college. Like, with well, the first semester, because like, I was just like, I don't think I want to go. And then I, the second semester, I decided, like, yeah, I think I want to go. So then I wound up taking classes at community. And it's so weird that some of my classes was actually at Newman. But my, like, my night classes was at Newman. So, like, I used to get to go to practice and watch them and chill a little bit, play when I wanted to play, like, be around, and then just go to class for my CCP. So... It was, that's pretty, like, I didn't really have a recruitment. Like, I, I went to D3 schools, and I went on a couple of visits, and, like, I, I, I kind of felt like I was above it. But had I known what I know now, I would have just went. Because, like, at this point, like, you just realize that it's more so about the opportunity as opposed to the level. Like, this guy's from D3 that NAIA schools, D2 schools that go overseas, go play professionally in the NBA. So it's like... It's just about where you can showcase your talent the most. Right. So had I known what I know, I would have just went to one of those D three schools and just went off and got accolades and been like a high profile player and just went about it that way. But in my mind, I was just thinking like, no, nah, I'm a D one player. Like I want to go D one, not D one, at least D two. So I was trying to walk on to D one schools. Like one after my recruitment, it was like D three schools and one D two that wanted me to walk on. I'm like, man, if I'm gonna walk on. I'd rather walk on to a D one school. Right. So I just was applying to like Division one schools, trying to get in, and I eventually got into Liberty University in Virginia, but I couldn't afford it. So I had my heart set on going there, but like two weeks before I was, I had a class schedule and everything. Like I got the bill, and I was just like. Whoa, I can't. Right. What am I going to do with that? Yeah, I can't afford this. So it's like, all right. So now I'm like, let me call Shippensbury back and see, like, if I can try to get there. At least I know that's a D2 school and they're somewhat familiar with me. Mm -hmm. So actually, a guy, Ty Johnson, he went to Newman. He was a Newman grad. He was, he played that ship. He was an assistant coach. So that's, that was my, um, my way in. I ended up emailing him, asking him, like, yeah, like, you a Newman guy, like, do you think you can help me, like, get in, get in the Shippensburg? And he like, well, uh, I'm not helping with the team no more, but I work in, like, admissions or something like that, but I can definitely try to help you get back into school. I'll give you the coach's information and everything. So he pretty much helped me get into school that next semester because I was going to go to Liberty in the fall. Uh, that would be 08. I graduated in 07, so that would have been the 08 fall I was going to go to Liberty. But like I said, I couldn't afford it, so I had to 
miss out on that. And then I went to Shippensburg in, in January of 09. So you missed a, a year and a half after yeah. I first graduated, just off of not not knowing, not wanting, because like I just didn't understand like why I couldn't get to where I wanted to be. So like those parts of me that wanted to give up, and parts of me that just was like, All right, maybe I'll just like forget basketball. I'll find something else to do. Because like I said, I was always under my grade and things. So it was like I'll just find something to do, like give me a good job or something like that. What uh, what kept you? motivated to even try i guess just the love and just like my support like everybody around me like they always supported me so it's just like they always like yeah you got it like just stick with it like you can do it like so it was pretty much that like just having my support system and my big brother he was going through the process and that's another like small part that like goes on scene like my big brother he like was going to prep school um, he was like, uh, on, and he became like a big recruit and everything. So I'm like, Dad, I want to follow his path. So I'm like, Mom, I want to go to prep school. Like, can I go to prep school for a year? Because you know, Scoop was one of my close friends, and like, he was big. He knew about like, like I said, he was a top recruit, so he knew about the camps and he knew about like how to make yourself marketable and how to get yourself on that platform. So he's like, Why? Wow, I think you should reclassify. So I'm like, yeah, mom, can I reclassify? I want to go to prep school. She like, like, I don't get it. Like, what's that? Like, you know, like reclassifying is pretty much you being held back a year. So she like, why would you do that? Like, you got good grades. Like, you getting A's and B's. Like, why would you go back a year? Like, she didn't understand the basketball dynamic of it and how it would make me more remarkable because I was young. Like I said, I graduated at 17. So, I, and I was a late bloomer. Like, I was still short, kind of short, still skinny. And like, it would just help me to have that extra year. But she didn't understand that dynamic of it. She just like, well, you got the grades, like you, you can get into school, like just go to school. So that's pretty much what I did. And I eventually got in the ship. I um I had to sit out that year. Well, I was just like a regular student when I first went there that year. And then the following year, this fall semester is when I actually like walked onto the team and tried. I had to try out for the team, do that. And I did you think the guy? Did you think that? Did you honestly think the guys were good compared to what you had played against in the neighborhoods and at Newman? No, that that's what that's that's what was my that was my fuel on the inside. Like that's what kept me going and, and like had me thinking to myself like I can do it. I'm like I played against like I, now like this is almost going on two years into into since I graduated. So Scoop and Rick they at Syracuse. DJ was at. St. Jude's or Binghamton at the time, Earl at Rutgers, um, Jamal at Rhode Island, um, even Ramon, he at Temple, uh, the Mars Twins, they at Kansas. It's just like, I'm just watching everybody just killing these guys. I'm a Wanamaker, he at Pitt. It's just all these guys I didn't played around, I didn't played with, and I'm just seeing them on these dancing stage. So I'm like, all right. I know I can compete with them. Like, I might not be Big East, but I know I can play in somebody's D1. So I'm like, all right, now I'm here against them. I'm like, nah, like this, like, I got to be able to beat them. Like, I done played against so many better guys. And, like, it wasn't no offense to anybody I was playing against, but that was just my mindset. It's like, yeah. I, if, if I can play against these guys, I'm going I'm to kill these guys. And that's just was my thing. So when I got the ship, like I said, I was a walk-on. And you know how coaches are with walk-ons. Like, some coaches are acceptable to walk-ons. Like, they'll let a walk-in come in and play. 
to do their thing, and some of them won't. Like, you know, some guys, like, they had their guys that they like or the guys that they recruit, and they're going to get the they're going to get the nod. Right. So I felt like I was robbed of my opportunity to play that shit. So it affected me. Like, I'm like, all right, I didn't do all this to get into school. I feel like I'm a Division One player. I'm at D2, and I can't even get in. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, all right, like, maybe, maybe like, everybody just was pumping me up. Like, nah, I ain't as good as I thought. So I stopped. I'm not going to class now. I'm just, like I said, I come from a single-parent household. Like everybody is, or even, like, on the opposite side, everybody's super protective of me, you know, because the neighborhood, you got to be where you're surrounded, everything going on now. I'm in college by myself. I don't got nobody to answer to. So this is my first ounce of freedom. So I'm like, man. You know, I don't got to go to class if you don't want to. So I stopped going to class. I'm just partying, having fun at school, just enjoying college life. And next thing you know, my grades is, like, bad. So I can't even, like, plead my case to coach down that I should be playing when I'm failing in the classroom. So now I'm already – I started out down here. Now I didn't let me not playing early affect my overall – my overall being because I, I was on academic probation and I ended up being dismissed from Shippensburg because my grades, I couldn't, uh, I didn't end up making a 2.0 GPA. So I got dismissed from shit for my academics. So, so what you ended up doing after that? I was home. So I'm like, all right, I got to find a job. That was one of the hardest parts of my life. Like I just knew like after all of this, like I'm like, dang, my mom so mad at me. Like I just got kicked out of college and it's for grades. Like, I've been getting good grades my whole life. So, like, I know for a fact she's not going to go for it. The work was too hard. Like, she's going to know it's something up. Right. So, I'm just like, all right, yeah, I got kicked out of school. But she's like, it's all right. You just got to find something else you want to do now. Like, get a job or do whatever you got to do to get back into school. Like, the choice is yours. So, I'm like, all right, let me figure out what I'm going to do. So, I was home. I was trying to find jobs. Wasn't really going that well. So, now I'm sitting there like, can't really get a job. Now all I know is the streets. Like all my friends that's not in college, like that's pretty much what they into. So now I'm just hanging around more. So now I'm just slowly but surely getting sucking, you know, following that path, getting in the streets and selling drugs and stuff like that. And it's just like, nah, it's not for me. And then one of my close friends, he passed away. He got he was murdered. And that was like what really hit me because like he was like my friend from like I said one of my mom friends like our best friend's son and like from the Fisher Price court mm-hmm. so like he was like the guy that seen me from day one so like and I was a little bit older than him so like you couldn't tell him nothing about like about me like in his mind I was great like I used to yeah. you see anybody come to the block I'm playing one on one he going to the playgrounds with me I'm beating everybody so you couldn't tell him nothing about me so when I lost him. It was just like, damn, like, he was like my biggest supporter. He believed in me even when I didn't believe in myself. So it was just like, he going now. So I'm like, I can't let that happen to me. So it was like, I got to find my niche. I'm like, even if I don't make it in basketball, like I at least got to get back and get my GPA away so I can get into a school and at least get my degree and get a better job and make things a little easier for myself. So that was my whole mindset. And it came, the Lockheed thing came about because my assistant coach at Shippensburg got the head coaching job at Lockheed. And he used to keep tabs with me because 
throughout my time getting kicked out of ship, I had to write an appeal letter. So, like, he learned, like, a lot about what I was going through and, like, what my life was like. And he took to me. And, like, actually, a small little note in my, the end of my freshman year uh, at ship, my coach, he got sick and couldn't coach us for, like, a few games. And my assistant coach took over. And when he came over, like, this was, like, he was, like, an assistant for, like, nine, ten years. So, this was, like, his moment to, like, show that he could be mm-hmm. a head coach. Mm-hmm. So, he changed up pretty much everything. Like, two guys from my team, they, like, they was, like, in, like, a pageant. You know, like, at the sororities and, and, and fraternities, they had, like, those pageants and things. Like, at yeah. the school, they was, like, a part of one of those. And they came to a game league. Like, we warming up. Like, well, we not warming up. Like, the girl, you know, D2, like, the girls played before us. So, like, we, like, uh, stretching and watching a girls game, and they, like, just come walking in. And he, like, don't even suit up. And he look at me, he, like, be ready. So, I'm, like, all right. <laughs> like, I'm this is a freshman year. Yeah, shit, this is shit. So, I'm, like, yeah, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready. So, I go out there, I play. We play in Kutztown. They, like, nationally ranked ahead. Guy, Steven Dennis, he was tough. Probably the best player I've seen at the D2 level. Steven Dennis, he was like average on thirty seven and seven. He was like he ended up being a national D two player of the year that year. And we playing against them, and I get in, I, I lock him up, play good defense, get, get like a get a like couple crucial foul shots. Probably had like four points, but I played good, played like twenty five minutes, and like for that like four or five game stretch towards the end of the season, he he was playing me. I started playing after that. Right. So, like, I showed him, like, a little glimpse of what I can do. So, like, he just kept tabs on me, made sure I was cool throughout the years. And when he got the head coaching job, like, the next day he called me. He's like, yeah, I got the head coaching job at Lockhaven. Like, I know, like, your situation and everything. Like, you want to get back into school? He's like, I don't know about the basketball part, but, I, like, I at least want to at least help you get into school. Like, because I know what type of kid you are. Like, I know you had a – Like, you had, like, a, a bad experience. So, I just want to help you get into school. So, I'm like, yeah. Like, at this time, like – I'm getting ready to go down the wrong path, and I ain't really got nothing going on here for myself. So I'm like, yeah, I want to get back into school. So he helped me. Like, I had to take a couple classes at community to get my GPA back up. Ended up getting in the lock haven. And once I got in, um, like I had to walk on again. And it was the rest was history. Like, I got into there, and like by this time, like I said, I, I was already out of school for like a year and a half. Then I went to Shippensburg for three semesters and got dismissed. Then I was home for two years after I got dismissed. So by this time, I'm like 22, 23. And he like, yeah, you can get back into school. And I still got three years of eligibility because so I only played sophomore, one year. sophomore in school, but you're 23 years old. Yeah. I was 22. I turned 23 my sophomore year. He was a grown man. They were still boys. You were cheating. Yeah, I probably was, but <laughs> at the D2 level, that's pretty much what it is. Like, your eligibility don't run out. So it's like, it's not like D1 where you got one and done players. So the best players on the courts is freshman and sophomore. Like, these guys is four year players. Like, my fresh, my first year at Lockhaven would have been my last year, my senior year, if I would have went all the way through that shit. Right. So, like, some of the guys that, like, was still somewhat there, but it was it was more so, I would say, the last two years when I was, like, kind of cheating, I would probably say. But at the D2 level, like, like you said, like, everybody, there's no, like, there's no four, five years to do your four years. Like, you can be 40 years old. If you got eligibility and you want to play, like, you can play, you can play. So, it was older guys. It was guys older than me playing. It was just, like, that's just the dynamic of D2 basketball. That's, like, the land of second chances, I feel like. 
right. for people like or the people that can't get the scores. Like a lot of people go to D two right now. It'd be a lot of guys that can play, like neither had a fair shot or couldn't get in with grades. So it was good competition. So your sophomore year, um, how did that season go for you at Rockhaven? Horrible. We lost like we was like six and twenty. Mind you, I never lost as much. I'm coming from Newman. Right. I never lost as much in my life. We went on like a thirteen game losing streak and I'm like losing my mind. And then like my teammates, like like I said, like, before I got to Lockhaven, they won zero games. Like the year before I got there, they didn't win a game. So we went to six wins that year. So like a lot of my teammates, they didn't really care that we was losing. Like they they even high school teams wasn't that good and or like they wasn't good a couple years previous before, so they didn't really care. And in my mind, I'm burning up. I'm like, I never lost as much in my life. Like, right. I ain't know if I could do it. What but, is? I guess I want to ask the question because I'm familiar with the PSAC and all that. What's the problem with Lock Haven, like basketball program, football program, stuff there? Um, it's just not, not enough money. I feel like there's not enough money to go around. And then they had, like, a situation with the ADs where the ADs was, like, giving most of the money to the girl. Like, they had, like, a female AD, and she was giving, like, most of the resources to the girls because the girls' teams were pretty much good. Like, our field hockey team was, like, number one or two. In, no, not field hockey. Lacrosse team was, like, number one or two in the country. Mm-hmm. The field hockey team was actually D1. They was in the A-10. What? The volleyball team was, like, PSAC champion. So, like, the girls' sports was in locker and was really good. Like, a lot of the swim team was real good. So it was just like a balance of like the budget. Yeah. So like the guys team didn't get a lot of funding. So you know, with funding you can't get a lot of scholarships, you can't get a lot of good players. So that's pretty much what happened. But I actually happened to come on as a walk on and just was able to change some things. And then I eventually like earned a scholarship and everything throughout my years. But that's pretty much what it, it was just like lack of resources, I feel like. And the resources were shifted between it wasn't like split evenly. It was holding on the women's side. Yeah, so, so that's how it was given to me, like, but when I got there, because I, I had those same questions, like, dang, like, why is everybody, like, the football team was on, like, a 56, they had, like, the longest losing streak in NCAA history, and I'm just like, like, how did that happen? And the basketball team won zero games, the year before they won the one game, so I'm like, you know, it's crazy, something's so. got to change. <laughs> well, I used to play lock in the football at IUP, um, you know, you train, you, you practice fast. You practice anticipating I'm gonna go fast to meet somebody because they're going fast. Right. When we would play Lockhaven, they would react so slow that it make it look like you were doing something wrong or you were getting beat. They were just moving that slow, so they were always behind you. You know what I mean? It, 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 it I guess it's, it's football stuff, but yeah, it's like it was different change of pace. It change like, of yeah. pace, but but at the end of the day, you just had to go all right, just blocking straight up, trying to doing fancy footwork. Don't be all quick. You had to like. I don't want to say dumb down your technique, but that's what you were doing. Yeah, that's crazy. I hated it because we would practice all year, all spring, all summer. Yeah, I, I was pretty with a crowd. I was yeah. like fighting for the championship and national championship. So, yeah. It's crazy, though. So, so junior year in Lockhaven, man, like when you start going off? Cause it's uh, like, I, I started going off from day one. That was the thing. So, sophomore year, my coach called me into the office. Like, once I make the team and everything, he like, all right, we don't really got too much. He like, I know. Like, he pretty much knew me for defense, like, because, mm-hmm. like I said, like, when I started playing them four or five games, like, that was my way on the court, like, so I'm like, I'm going to play defense. Like, that's what I know from Newman, Coach Carl, like, that's the first thing to get your coach to, like, you play defense, so defense was my mind, so those four or five games that I played and that shit towards the end, I was, it was all defense, so 
he had me coming down as a as a defender. So he like he like, yeah, I just need you to come in, defend your position. Uh, probably average like 13, 14 points, couple rebounds, and like I'll be happy with that. Like I'll be happy, especially you coming off the street. But me, I'm like, man, I just was working out for the past. I get here in August. I've been working out since January. Like I was up Syracuse with Scoop. He getting ready for the draft. I'm up him and Dion. They all up there. I'm I'm up Syracuse with them. I'm in the Mellow Center. Like. I'm everywhere. Like they was the ones. Like they helped me. Like get back on my. They like yo, get back, get back into it, man. Like you wasting your time. Like do what you gotta do to get back in school. So like being around them and being up Syracuse and seeing Dion on his his path and seeing Scoop in his path and Rick on his path. Like it was three three different dynamics because you know Scoop had a redshirt year, so Rick graduated a year before Scoop, so it was like the dynamic with them two. And then when Rick left, it was the dynamic with him and Dion. It was scooping Dion, so it was like two different dynamics, and it was just like I was just up there witnessing a lot of that and just seeing everything. So I was ready, like I'm like tip top shape now, like <laughs> so he like 14 points. I'm like all right, but I'm like, all right, like I don't know though because I didn't play much in college. I'm in mean, college or high school, so I'm like in my mind, I think I'm better than this, but my my resume don't show it, so. This is the the time to see it. So he like fourteen. I'm like, all right, we're gonna see if I if I can do that. First game, come on, I get like twenty five, seven, six rebounds, four steals, <laughs> and, and it's so crazy. My first game was at Shippensburg. They had like an opening tournament, and you know my coach was from Shippensburg too, so we got invited to the tournament. So I'm playing my first two weekend games at Shippensburg, and they and they tournament against my old coaches. And what I'm not playing against them yet, but they watch me. Yeah. So my old coach who ain't played me, I'm getting 25 now. But the next game I had like 20, but I think we lost that game. I make like all tournament team. Me and my man She from my team, uh, we both make all tournament. So that was like the first weekend. So that's when I'm like, all right, yeah, I can do it. Mm-hmm. Like now I knew I wasn't tripping. Like I just had to get my opportunity. So now it was on. And then it was 30s, 40s. Uh, well, yeah, I, I had 40 in my career high on Shippensburg against my old coach my old team. You did it on purpose. Yeah, that like, game was so personal. <laughs> like, that game was personal. Like, it's my old school, so I definitely don't want to lose. Then I'm playing against my old coach. I feel like should have gave me an opportunity. It was just like, I got to kill them. And it's so crazy. You know, peace like you played back-to-back days. The day before we played shit, we played Millersville. I had 30. We had, like, a, a overtime game, like, and I had, like, 30 points that day, and I'm like, I'm playing 40. We go to overtime, I'm playing like 42 minutes. I'm mm. fresh off the street for, like, I ain't had no basketball work really in a long time. <laughs> so I'm like, dang, like, I just had 30. I'm sore. Like I said, I'm a little older now. So I'm like, dang, I'm getting ice baths. I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to be ready for this ship game. So the ship game come. I end up having 40 or whatever. You want to beat him? Yeah, we won. Wound up winning. Go off for my career. My mom's there. My mom got to see it. So it was just like everything. Like that whole dynamic of that game. Like it was just personal. Like, what did he say to you after the game? It was so crazy. He had a conversation with me before the game because we played yesterday and I had 30 in his Millersville. And the next morning we had a shoot around and, you know, like we cool with ship. Um, with ship. So we let uh, my coaches, our coaches were cool. So they had they shoot around at our gym right after us. So I'm leaving shoot around and they coming in for shoot around. He like, dang, like I didn't get a chance to talk to you when you was at shit, but you've been doing good. Like I, I've been seeing you doing your thing. So I'm like, shake his hand. I'm yeah. And then when I walk off, I'm like, hey, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I go out there and I get a forty. Like he really said too much. He shook my hand. And 
It was cool after that. Like, I ain't really had no real animosity towards him, but like, when he was like on the opposite side of the court, it was like, yeah. it is what it is. But after that, like, we, we was cool. Like, when he when he uh ended up not being that shit, like, he still come to our games. Like, he was cool. Like, we would talk. He was still giving me, like, still coaching me, like, when he would come to the games and see us play. So, it was cool. But at that time, it was, it was personal at that time. So, the sophomore year thing happened. Then after those two games, I ended up being a slam magazine. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sitting in there. I'm sitting at in my dorm one day. I'm in the dorm room. I get like a little notification. One of my teammates from Lockheed, he's like, Dad, they got my boy in Slam Magazine. So I'm like, What? I look, I'm a Slam Magazine. Under radar players, sophomore Lockhaven, Wiley Hepburn, just had 30 and 40 leading all sophomores in the country and scoring and all that. So I'm like, Man, this is this is real. Mm. Like so now, I'm like, oh, this is serious. But we not winning though. So like, part of me is like happy because I'm getting like I'm being on a on, on a on a national scale. But it's like I'm still on win, and I'm like this program like had nothing. So I'm like that's where it's going to ultimately show if I can like help build this program to something. So like that was my biggest goal, like to try to build the program, win a championship, or at least like be like on like be respected because my first year nobody respected us like how you said like yeah. look at like came and that's how it was in basketball like yeah. everybody came in they thinking they just gonna walk over us they're gonna beat us by 30 and my first year it was like we was losing but it was it was competitive like we yeah. had to come play i'm out there getting 25 and 30s a night and we got some young recruits like when i came like the coach brought in like eight or nine recruits so it was like 10 new players all in one year Mm. So like, but most of them was freshmen. Me and my man Chief, we was like the only transfer. So yeah, eight freshmen and two transfers that came in. So like, we was a young team. So I'm like, and then he had like two of the freshmen had to sit out. So like, we finally like people like they was walking over us, but they like, all right, they coming to play. And my whole mind said like, yeah, we till next year. Like next year is gonna be on. So then my junior year, that was like the takeoff year. That was like the All American year. We went from winning six games, like 16, 17 games, like. He was like respected in the league. We was beat. We beat the number two team in the country, which was East Stroudsburg at the time. He was like undefeated, but that was the year I got Player of the Year, Coach got Coach of the Year, All American. That's what like that was like the year year my junior year. What really clicked that year to make y'all go over the top like that? Um, the guys that was there was a year older. Like they mm-hmm. understood. We had. Two red shirts, freshmen for their grades, they came in, Brahim and Bootsy. They were good. So, like, they was now part of our team. And I was back and better. I was back and better. My man Sheep was back and ever. So now it was like a complete team. Like, we had, we, it was all clicking. Like, the recruit, like I said, it just. Would you say that y'all had the players finding to fit his system or something like that? Nah, um, honestly, it wasn't really no system. Like, he, he put the, Put the ball in our hands and let us play. Like we just had to play together, play defense. Like offense wasn't really the big like a big thing because me and Sheaf was pretty much scoring a lot of the points. So it was just playing together, play defense, and do what y'all gotta do. And that's pretty much what it was. Like we just like built like that year, like everybody got tired of losing. Cause I was I, I wasn't going for losing again. Like right. I I wasn't going for it. So I tried to bring like that that whole Newman field where like it was competitive every day in practice, like everything was personal, like and we just started looking at things. And then once we started winning, everybody started getting a swagger. They started feeling themselves. Like even like the other guys that was in, just in the lineup, they started feeling themselves. We having fun. We celebrating. We 
just having a good time, and we just we just built on it. It was more so the chemistry in the locker room, like everybody mindset changed from nobody. We didn't want to be stepped on anymore. Like we didn't want to be rock even that just gets stepped over. So like that's what fueled us. The coaches was tired of it. The players was tired of it. The school was tired of it. So we went from nobody being in our gym to the gym being filled. Like we went from having nobody at our gym to being one of the like most feared places to play in the police sector. It started getting crazy in our gym. Because we went from never winning to now we got a good team. Did y'all make a little playoff run in the PSAC or we it was so crazy because like I said, we'd be the number two team. We was like the four seed. We got upset in the first round. And it was so crazy because we was like on a bubble for the national tournament. So we needed that first round win to where at least we would lose the like we'd a lot we'd play the Stroudsburg in the second round. They was like the number one seed. So it would have at least been a more respectable loss, but we lost early, and we was, like, on the bubble of making a national tournament. Who did y'all lose to? We lost to Millersville, and we was up 20 points in the second half and let them come back and beat us. That was, like, a heartbreaker. At home. That was, like, the first home playoff game in, like, 20-something years. Like, it was just so much behind it, and we lost, and, like, that, that like, changed our whole aspect because we was, like, we was real good. We was, like, like I said, on the bubble going to the national tournament. We just needed, like, a couple more games to – Cause you know it's, it's kind of similar to the NCAA tournament where you like on the bubble and yeah. all that stuff. Like we was like on the bubble because we went from nowhere. So you know we had a couple good wins. We beat a couple good teams in the PSAC that year. So we was making noise. We just we just lost our first round of the conference tournament and we lost our spot in the in the seat for the NCAA tournament. And it just ended quickly. So now you're talking about going into your senior year. Yeah. How did that season go? Well, it was so crazy because, like I said, my man Sheaf, he was he. I had three years of eligibility. He had two when we came in, so he was leaving, going into my senior year, and he was my roommate. Like we lived in a crib together, and he was like an all conference player. Also, like I, I got player of the year, but he was like all conference and everything. So he was like pursuing his professional career. So like he talking to agents and talking to everybody. He like. He's like, yeah, like, all the agents that I'm talking to, like, they asking about you. Like, what you want to do? They're like, what you mean? they like, like, is you trying to, like, go pro now? Or, like, what you trying to do? I'm like, for real? He's like, yeah, like, what you trying to do? So, for me, this is, like, culture shock. I'm like, go pro? Yeah, I'm like, yeah? <laughs> like, no, nah, not me. So, now I started thinking about it. I'm like, hey, I might really want to leave now. So, I had a conversation with my mom. I asked my mom, like, would you be mad if I left school early? She like, nah, like, go ahead. Like, do what you want to do. Like, at the end of the day, it's one year. If it don't work out, like, you can always just go back and do that year. So now I'm like, yeah, she might be doing to something. So I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I think I might do it. But I went, like I said, my man, Chief, he, gra- he was graduating. I go to his graduation, and I'm sitting with his family, his mom, his sister, his nieces and nephews, and I just saw like how happy that they were to see him graduate. I knew everything that he went through and everything that went through it. And it was just like it was like one of those moments that it just like hit me, and I'm just sitting. I'm like, hey, I want my family to like experience this, experience this too. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, like, I got one more year. Like I already got the the All Americans tag, so like it's gonna be my senior year. So like I I just had this whole vision of like how everything was going to go. So I'm like. I'm gonna just do it. Like, and then I'm gonna just graduate. Just yeah, I'm gonna do it. So I'm like, all right. I didn't even tell nobody. I didn't tell my coach I was thinking about it, no nothing. I just had that conversation with my mom. I had a conversation with my man Chief. And then once I left the graduation, it just was like it was the end of it. I was like sold on going back. 
So I went back, and then my senior year, it was nothing like I expected. Like, I thought we was like, like our whole team pretty much was coming back except for Sheaf. And we had a guy, Theo, he was coming in, and he was like, he was good too. So it was like, we ain't missing nothing. So now it's just like, all right, I just got to take us to the next step. Now we lost in the first round. We was on a bubble. Now we got to, now we preseason top two or three in, our, in the conference. Now, like, now it's expectations. Like, right. we hit the scene. Now it was like expectations. And like, we didn't meet the expectations. I, I got in trouble with some, did some things. Got in trouble. So that, I got suspended for the first two games. So that, like, put us, like, behind. We, that was like ended up so crazy because we playing in West Virginia and that was like my first game like on a national scale like out out of the state like where we playing like another All American another guy coming off of All American so like it's, I got to miss that game we we get beat by twenty both games that I miss and I'm just sitting there witnessing it so now I'm just mad so now in my mind I'm like hey I gotta come back I gotta come back extra strong and then I come back. My first game, I get injured. I get like a little, little nicket, little um, hernia in my in my leg. Like I played through it, but like it was like one of the lingering injuries over the years. So like I was like battling through injury, and then just like the season just didn't go how we went. Like that we just didn't meet the expectations. Like it was a lot of things that just went on in that season that just didn't go high. You became a thousand point scorer that season, though, right? I became a thousand point scorer in my junior season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. Early, the game that we beat East Stroudsburg, which was the number two team in the country, that was the game I scored my thousand point. So I scored my thousand point, and we upset the number two team in the country all in the same game. Crazy. And I made the game win. Crazy. Yeah. So like, dude is like ran on the court, and like it was, it was like a like something today and never really seen up there before. Like because like that's what I used to do. Like while I was at school, it was like all right. Like, I'm like I said, I was older, so I didn't really want to party anymore. So I just, like, enjoyed the actual parts of college. I went to all the sporting events. I went to the pageants. I went to the dance shows. I just went to everything. I supported everything that was going on with the school. Like, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I ain't got too much to do. Yeah. So, like, I used to go to all the school sporting events, and I'm, like, one of the biggest fans. Like, I don't like, when I'm a fan, like, it's like a whole different dynamic. I'm, like, wow, I'm into it. I'm, like, I'm passionate (laughs) about sports. So like if I come to your football game, I'm gonna be in the crowd. Yeah, Lou, like let's go. Like, yeah. so like I'm at all the sporting events and I'm loud. Like I'm at the football game holding up signs, running down the sideline. Like I'm at the swim meets. I'm at volleyball games. I'm at the girls game. We on the road. I'm green. I'm just doing everything. So like a lot of the other teams, like they took to us and they started supporting. And the next thing you know, we built like we had all the other teams at our games. Our football players, they they ride for us in the crowd. Like it's just. A whole big dynamic, so like we just we built the whole, like we built something something good, and like I said, we had the expectations. We just didn't meet them. My last year, we ended up being like five hundred. We had a chance to make like a little late run, and we lost in the first round again to Millersville again. Got we was up. Who was on Millersville that was who's cooking y'all to keep putting y'all out? It wasn't. It wasn't a team. It was just the way they played. Like they they was like. They played so frantic. Like, they just didn't care. Like, they just shot freely. They tracked. They play zone. They'll play man. They'll play 3-2. They'll play 2-3. They'll play 1-2-2-1-1. So, like, the game was just, like, so – they would just mess, mesh the game up. Like, whatever wasn't working, they'll try the next thing. Like, they'll try man. Then they'll try this. And they found something that worked. They, like, start pressing us. Or they'll just, like, play these trick zones where they'll be in zone one minute. Then they'll just, like, track. So, it was, like – 
it was just like they were just like a frantic team. They didn't really have one guy. They all like was could do a little bit of everything. It was like I guess it was just a bad matchup for us. But it was so crazy because in the regular season we would beat them. But you know, you know, it's crazy. That's that's clarion for us in football. Right. Who runs like a whole bunch of mixed match uh, defenses and schemes? Like, you never seen three safeties high. Like nobody plays three safeties high, but they would do stuff like that. Yeah, you know, have a guy just running straight at the line of scrimmage on a snap and stuff like that. Stuff that like technically could be really bad football if we know what's exactly. coming. Exactly. You know what I mean? But you don't know what's coming, so it, it catch you. Yeah, it, catch and, like, you. it was just like one of those type things. Like that's just how they play. Like and they would just catch us. I don't know. So when you finished your career up at Lockhaven, um, did you graduate? Yeah, I graduated. What you, what you finish? Uh, I mean, what, you, what degree did you finish with? Um, I got a bachelor's in um, communication, uh, concentration in sports broadcasting and video production. Wow. Yeah. So just right up the alley. Yeah. <laughs> That's dope. So did you know you had that moment at your main graduation? Did you have that same moment with your mom at your graduation? Oh uh, yeah, like I cried and everything. Like, I couldn't hold it, like it was just like big. Like my mom was so happy, my grandma was so happy, like like a couple of my friends came, like they just was so happy because like a lot of my friends that I actually grew up with, they like went to college and got dismissed for grades or whatever reason, or like had children, couldn't go back. Like so I was like one of the only ones that like actually went through. Like I had a couple guys, but like like it was like a select few of us. So like it was like a big moment for everybody. Like everybody was happy. So like I enjoyed that moment. Like it was it was one of the best moments. So after graduation, did you have like a moment of like relief? Like I was slept on, I really believed in myself, and I actually had the talent and I actually performed when I got the opportunity. Do you have like a sign of relief? Like you can like you say, like uh you satisfied a little bit? Nah, like now, like I don't know, like with me, like I get like one track minded, I feel like sometimes. So at that time it was like, all right, like I was focusing on pro, like, overseas or, like, where I was going to go afterwards. So, like, I didn't even really realize all the good that I was doing until, like, afterwards where, like, I started struggling in my pro career and I started, like, things wasn't going the way I wanted. That's when I, like, really sat back and realized, like, the impact and the things that I actually did. And I actually got a chance to, like, enjoy what like, all that I accomplished. Yeah, so talking about going pro, you know, what was that process like? Oh man, that was a it's it's a process, especially when like when you especially for me, like I never was highly scouted, highly recruited, like I never had people calling me for my services or anything like that, unless it was like a neighborhood league where somebody be like, yeah, I want you to play on my team at this mm-hmm. league, but like, I never like really got recruited, so it was all new to me, and then like it happened so fast, like season probably over and like what. Like April, and then you graduate May, and then it's the summertime. That's when all the the off season for basketball is happening. So that's when all the pre draft stuff. If you go to NBA or if you overseas, you got you in negotiations or you going to exposure camps, and that's when everything's going. So it's all happening so fast, and I got like agents calling my phone, trying to get me to get down with them, or they or this guy calling me about this, and this guy calling me about that, and it's all new to me. So like. I don't know what's going on. Like, so, like, I, it was like a culture shock to me. Like, it was hard for me to believe that, like, all this was happening. So, like, I reached out to people that I knew that I was, like, familiar with everything and tried to get some guidance. But at the end of the day, like, 
you got to be the one to decide like who's that person that's going to represent you or what events you might go to to showcase your talent to get in front of the, the right people and all that type of stuff and it was it was hard because I really didn't know a lot of things so like I didn't know about like how people like it's a lot of scamming that goes on in this process where people just try to get you out your money. They just want you to come to their events. They don't really have an events plan on signing you. They just want want you to play against the guys that they that they got signed or things like. There's just like a lot of little ins and outs and things that go on in the business that you don't really know about that you can get caught up in. So it was just like I didn't really know. So um, I think I probably picked the wrong decisions when it came to who to trust, who should I go to represent or what what event I should have went to. So like I got behind the eight ball. So it was like once I started realizing what was going on, I had to like change my whole approach. I like got rid of the agents that I had because I feel like they wasn't doing it a lot for me. And I learned that you can do it yourself pretty much with like Facebook pages and getting contacts and going through players who played in other countries who got good rapports with their team owners and they asked them to help them find guys who are good just like them. And I learned about little things like that. And I took that approach with it. And what, what were the agents not doing or what were they were doing poorly? Well, like some of them, it was like, like the bigger agents. Like for me, like when you come from a small school, like they – like they are like a lot of agents. They are like NBA. There's like NBA agents, and then you got overseas agents, and then you got like agents that like in the middle that look do a little bit of both. So it's like you gotta find your niche, find that right person that can do the things that go for you. So like if I'm asking like Dion, like he's a good friend of mine. If I'm asking him for his agent, he a top four draft pick, so he only know NBA agents. Like yeah. that's pretty much what it is. And at that time, I'm like. Overseas, work your way up, borderline. So, like, I need somebody that's going to work for me, like, that's going to go that extra bat for me because I, I don't come from a big school. Right. So, and it was hard to find those type of guys that wanted to work for me. And then the ones that I did find out, like, a person that's just starting. So, they might not have the resources. They might not have the connections with teams. So, we pretty much in this together. Like, we going to tryouts. We we going to exposure camps. Like, we're not really necessarily talking to teams. Like, we don't already have a pipeline with teams where they can be like, yeah, I got another player uh, that's just as good as this other guy that I just sent there. Right. And then you just keep it going. So, like, my, my situation, I was, like, finding guys who was, like, pretty much starting up and that, that they was working for me, but they were also just getting into the business so they didn't necessarily have all the resources that they could to, like, help me get to where I want to be. So... It was just like one of them things that didn't work out. And there was like guys that did have those opportunities that I might have like didn't choose or I didn't like uh, go to their events or things like that because I didn't know. And then you get a, they look at you like funny because you turned them down and they, they had a plan for you and you like, nah, I'm going to go with this guy or I'm going to go do this. So now they like, they might have their will towards you because you left them hanging. So it was just like a lot of, a lot of those little things that was going on, and it was just like me not really knowing every the ins and outs of everything, because like I said, I was never really familiar with that. So it took me a while to get accustomed to all of that. I ended up having to go to exposure camps as opposed to just getting signed right out of college. 
and doing things. And then I was going to the wrong camps, and it was just like, a lot of different things going on. But I eventually found a camp in Philly. A guy was doing a camp for Central America, uh, my man Lawson, Legend Lawson. He was doing an exposure camp in, in um, Philly, and I ended up going to the exposure camp, and that's how I got the job in Central America. I went to that exposure camp, and he was playing over there. And that was one of them type of things where they, like, he got good with team owners and other owners and other teams. And, like, he was bringing team, like, players over to the countries just to play in front of them. And they was just, like, signing guys on the spot. Mm. And that's pretty much how I got on. Like, he brought me over. He's like, yeah, just show me what you could do at the camp. Like, I went to the camp. I played a ball. And he's like, all right, I got you. Like, I'm going to help you get on the team. And then it so happened we ended up being on the same team. So he was still a player and when it camps good people there. Yeah, like that's the kind of guy he is, my loss, and that's my man. He was like trying to help people. Like that's like one of the things, like that's the big thing. Like like some people are just good athletes and they don't really get involved in the business aspect of it because they got people who do those type of things for them. So they don't really talk to team owners, talk to teams and do all that. They just play. Like they, they show up, they do their job, they get their money, they play. And there's nothing wrong with that. And then you got guys who get in good with the people, like they interact with people, like they like got the they know the the basketball part of it and they know the business part. So they like more hands on with it. So he was like one of those type of guys. He like, well, dang, like I'm over here, I'm doing good. I can find other guys and I could just or guys that's reaching out to me, they might need a job. I'm like, well, I can't go, but I know somebody who's just as good as me that you can use if you if you want them to play for their team. So I guess that was what made him start doing it, and that's how I came about. So what's your, what was your experience like over there with that team? Oh, uh, it was good. Like, um, it was love. It was like, we was like, we was in a dangerous part. We was in El Salvador, like one of the most dangerous countries in the world at the time. But we was in, it's pretty much how it is here. Like, you know, like you got the city where like most of the stuff, like where most of the violence and everything is going on. And like the outskirts, you got the countryside, you got the suburbs side. So it was, it was it had that somewhat of that dynamic. We were like out in the countryside, so I could actually like go outside. I can take walks and like walk around the neighborhood. Like guys in the city, like they couldn't do that. Yeah. So like it was cool for me because like I was used to like being in the middle of nowhere from like college and being a lot kid. So like it was cool and like I just like that freedom of being able to walk around. Like I like the city life, like being from the city, but. I rather had that freedom of being able to walk around and be safe as opposed to being able to have parties and clubs to go to, but can't even walk to around the corner to get right. something to drink without your life being in danger. Right. So like it was love. Like he made sure everything was cool with me. We we lived in a crib together. We lived in a three bedroom crib. Me and other, um, me him and our other import Reggie. We all lived in a crib together. What would you say the quality of the league was like? <clears throat> um, the quality of the league. It was good, but it was one of those things where the country wasn't really known for basketball. So there was like 16 teams in the league, and I would say like six or seven of the, the teams were like legitimate pretty much because like, mm-hmm. they would get like all the best national players and pretty, put them on their teams, and then you got the import. So pretty much it's like your imports against their imports. So it's like three imports per team. So that's pretty much what, that's what the dynamic was. So it's like your imports pretty much had to go over there and carry most of the load, especially if you was on one of the you wasn't on one of the top notch teams where your imports are actually good and like 
can actually play play on a level that's competitive to to what we used to in the U.S. Because you know, like we're like one of the best countries in the world for basketball. Right. So, like the average guy might be better than the average guy who's in El Salvador. It's it's a soccer town, so they used to like playing soccer and things. So like everybody's not big on basketball. It was becoming bigger, so the average guy is not going to be that good in basketball. I wonder, like, what's their like, what's their professional route, you know, in those countries, you know? Yeah, mostly like it was hard over there. Like it was like a third world country, so I know they they were big on like soccer and just like education and just like just learning and trying to build the resources, like for yeah. to take care of your family. Like that's pretty much what it was for them. Like it was like guys on our team. Like it's not like over here where you go like fourteen and you and like high school and then you got college and then they like you could be a young guy playing professionally over there and making money at, at whenever you good enough to play. That's so crazy. like that's a that's a, a crazy dynamic that's actually good. Like we had young guys on our team that's like 17, 18, making a couple of dollars and going to college. Like they go to college during the day and they come who come play. That's yeah. crazy. Like, cause we just there, like we just getting paid to play. So during the day, we don't pretty much got to do. We work out, do your own little thing. But they got lives. Like they didn't even got jobs. If they're not making that much money on the team, or they going to school, like it's just like basketball for them. Speak about just the the opportunity you had to, you know, make money playing a game that you've been playing for free your whole life. That was a dream come true. That was like the best part of it. Like you just wake up and. Like, for me, like I said, like, basketball was always, like, just what I chose to do. Like, it was the job. Like, so, it wasn't, like, it was my life. Like, I loved it, but it wasn't my life. Like, I always felt like I had more to offer than just basketball. But, like, for me, it's like, all right, it's my job. So, today, like, all I got to do is just wake up, go to the gym, make sure my body right, get up some shots, get some work in, and then go to practice, like, tonight. Like, that's just my life. Like, that was, like, the best feeling in the world. Like, I just wake up, and all I got to do is... Go play basketball, get better. Like, my, my, this is a good question for you. From Newman competition to Shippensburg to Lock Haven to now playing in El Salvador, how did you keep yourself getting better? Because I'm pretty sure you know your competition, mm-hmm. you know, probably took a little dip. But how were you challenging yourself, add different things to your game? Like, how did you develop? I just watch. I just watch a lot of basketball. Like I just watch, just watching. And in the summertime, like I'm still playing against Dion and playing with them. So like, might get in the gym with them every now. Um, Taiwan, Ramon, like Wayne, Sheep. Like it's just like in the summertime, like everybody's around. Like so, y'all in the gym. We going to Newman open runs. You know what? Like, what our what our uh, alumni is like. You might got Tyreek coming to the gym. You got Jaquan coming to the gym. You might got DJ coming in the gym. Uh, who else? Fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody that went to Newman. So, like, we come to Newman for open runs. And those is, like, competitive games. We working out. You got Quad A. He had National Recruit. He had Newman doing his thing. He doing his drills, doing his workouts and stuff. So, it's, like, that pipeline. Like, you just you just continue to get better. Like, you, you just constantly in the gym. Like, it's not about – like, it's – I think anybody probably pretty much will tell you, unless you, like, in, like, the Euro League and those top, like, top-notch leagues overseas, like – for the most part, you, you you feel like like you're better than pretty much everybody because like every country don't breed basketball the way that we breed basketball. So it's like everybody, I feel like everybody has that feeling of where they feel as though they dominate their competition, but it's just like 
do you want to get to that next level? Do you want to get to that Euro League? Do you want to get overseas? Do you want to get to the NBA Summer League? So I think it's that, just that thrill and just chasing that money that makes you want to get better. It's like, because it can drop, it can go at the end of the, at any day. Like you sign a one year deal, sometimes two year deals overseas. So it's like, it's not set in stone. So you still want to play, right? You still want to continue to play for, get paid to play basketball. So you got to keep getting better to make sure a guy that's coming out of college ain't going to take your spot when it's time to negotiate with a team. So I think that's what keep you keep you motivated and keep you going. Would you say that like the salaries and things are worth it to go to some of these places? Um, it depends on how you look at it. Like sometimes it's for the salary, sometimes it's just for the opportunity. Like because it's like stepping stones. Like you might got to play in a low league where you're not getting that much money, but you could put up your numbers to make yourself stand out, put, get you a nice highlight tape, get you some good stats on your resume, and that might make the next team in a bigger league more willing to sign you. Or you might be playing against a better team in a league that got more money, more resources, and they might bring you on because they seen what you just did to them. So now they might want you to be a part of their team. So it's like you constantly auditioning for either the next job or the next season. So it's like you just got to stay at it. So, you know, we get to the point of interview, you know, I want to know how your pro career really went as a whole. You know, did you have a green light? Was you was you the guy? Oh, yeah. I mean, me and my man Lawson, like, we was number one and two in scoring. Like, he, he led the league in scoring. I was number two. Like, so, like, the way our team was set up, like I said, we didn't have a lot on our team. Like, we had, like, guys that was, like, we had, like, everyday nine to fives. Like, so... Our three imports, we had to carry the load. Like, so we played 40 minutes. And we had to earn every minute, every dollar that we got because we was playing the whole game and they expected us to win. Like, they didn't, they didn't accept losing. You lose or you might be on the next way home. So it's like, it's so crazy. They don't care about this team might not be good enough to compete. Well, we got you. You come from the best country in the world playing basketball. You're American. We, we, we expect the Michael Jordan. Yeah. So yeah, you gotta come out and play, or you going home. Like that's two. You had it wasn't no coaching. Like was the coaching not good? I mean, you could coach, but it's like when you undermanned, it's like you just gotta go with what you got. Like we was undermanned pretty much. So like we knew going into it, like all we had was the imports. Me, my man Lawson, and my man Reggie. Like we had like. We had to go out and carry the load. Like we wasn't on one of them fortunate teams where we had great we had great imports. We had a top notch facility. Like we wasn't we wasn't that wasn't the team we was on. We had to go out there and earn every penny. We was and like I said, we was in a smaller town, small part of the country, not that many resources. So it wasn't we ain't had that big budget. So they put all their money into us three. So. We was getting the most money. Y'all got to carry us. Like, we pay mm. all this money, so y'all got to produce. That's or we going to find somebody else who can do it. How, how, how long did you play over there? Uh, I played, like, a season and a half. Yeah. But, yeah, it was good. That was, like, that was a great experience. Yeah, just to see the world, see different aspects, see different life, live different lifestyles, and, like, you you start to appreciate the little things. Like, you see the people over there, like, they didn't really have a lot, but they had each other, they had their family, and they were, like, big on their family. Like, 
they always helped each other. Even like with us, like they looked after us, like the people in our town, like they they took us in. Like when we walked around, they interacted with us. They they just showed us love. So. Talk about that culture shock. You know, the food is different, different language. Yeah. Spanish. It was all Spanish over there. And luckily, Lock Haven, for my degree, you know, the communication degree, they made me study another language. So luckily, I picked Spanish and I went to a country that spoke Spanish. So I, I, I could comprehend a little bit, but it still was like, you think you know Spanish in a Spanish classroom and you can say certain stuff, but when you're in a country and everybody speaks Spanish and it's fluent mm-hmm. and they just words just going that you sitting there like and you know they probably got slang versions yeah exactly it's not the textbook oh, version either so it's like mm. what are they saying so like i used to just have to stay with one of my teammates and just start getting them to translate and if i could then i would like interact the way and if i could but it was hard and then like i said it was a poor country like certain days the country didn't have water so like we had like a water pump in our backyard that like pumped water so like on the days where the country, like the water supply was off, we could still have water and take showers. But so other people in the country, they don't even got water on on particular days. That's crazy. Yeah, so it's like all these type of things. Like you just see how people live. You got kids walking around, no shoes on, like clothes, not the best. Like it's just like you appreciate everything. Like you, what's the what's the kindest thing you did when you was there in that country for somebody else? Um. I don't know. I donated a bunch of my clothes and sneakers and like I did things like that, but I don't know. I just felt like that was just like yeah, that was like that's, nothing. That's the least you could do. Yeah, like for like I, I, it was no way I could repay them. Like, like the only thing I probably could do is like bring people back on the plane with me and just like show them a better <laughs> life. Like, cause like they lived hard, but like honestly, like they were happy. Like. It, it, like it's the people here, like they would be miserable living the way that they that they live. Like, but they were just happy. Like they had their family. Like they're, they, it wasn't the best, but they were happy with what they had. And like, it make you appreciate stuff like that. Cause like, you ain't really see too many people down. You walking by, everybody's high, speaking to you. Like everybody's just like happy. So they don't have running water, but they still positive enough to speak to everybody. It's yeah, crazy. positive. And that was another thing. Like the gym. Like, we would get water supplied at our gym, so, like, we would let people, like, come in, like, fill up their water buckets or something, take them to their cribs, or just come in, rinse off, like, do little things like that. Or, like, let people use our water. That's probably, like, the nicest thing that we probably did. Like, we'll just let people use our water because we had water and they didn't. Wow. So, at this point, man, are you are you done chasing pro ball? I don't know, man. It's hard because, like, I'm content <laughs> Cause like I said, I've accomplished a lot. I've been far, but I still like, I still play. I still know what I can do. I still know what I can bring to the table, and all like I just know how it happened. All it takes is like that one moment you in that one place, or you go to this one event, and you can just be back on the scene. So and like I was teaching this past year, so I'm off for the summer anyway. So it's like I'm normally coming home in the summer, and I'm I'm used to my friends being everybody back home from overseas and. Everybody in the gym, they putting in work. So now I find myself, that's what I'm doing. So now it's like, dang, like, do I want to go to another showcase, like, try call a couple people, make a couple calls, see if I can get a tryout somewhere. So it's like, like, at first I was content, but now it's just like the summertime, and I'm just here, and I'm back around it. I don't know. Like, I'm playing the summer leagues and stuff. So like, I don't know. We're going to see. 
I guess it remains to be seen. Um, you always ask, who are you now, you know? So at this point in your life, like, who are you? Uh, I'm just, I'm same old Wiley, man. Quiet, laid back, easy going. I'm just a little older, been through a lot of little things. So I'm just trying to get better with that and just becoming a better person and just try to give back. Like, my biggest thing now is, like, I'm trying to give back to uh, like people in my neighborhood, anybody that I come across, just like try to be an influence to people, like and try to help them stay on the right path, like whether it's with anything, like just your everyday struggles and you just struggling with just your nine to five or your family, like just try to be a positive influence and just be a just like try to show people that there's more to life out here. Like just try to give back any way I can. That's pretty much what I'm looking forward to now. So, you said you were teaching. What are you teaching that? Um, I was working as a sub, but then like towards the end of the year, I was working at Mastery on 56 and Christian. So uh, um, that's where I finished out the year. But, you, you enjoy that? Yeah, like it's it's crazy because I like. I had no intentions on getting into teaching. Like, I was playing ball one day at the rec center. One of my friends, Sean Skate, he come in. He like, um, yeah, like, what you been doing? Like, I'm like, nah, I'm just home, chilling. Like, like in between, trying to figure out if I still want to chase it or if I just want to find something to do. He's like, well, I can get you a job, like, subbing. I'm like, I'm cool. I don't want to teach. Like, come on. Like, you just subbing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, hey, like, you just come in. You, you, you. Follow the lesson plan and you just interact with the kids. Just see how it is. It's better. And if you don't like it, you don't got to do it. So I'm like, yeah, you're right. I mean, this is something new. Like, let's see. Like, I ain't doing nothing. Yeah. Why not? I tried it and I started to like it. Like, you you start to, well, like, at first, like, I was going to different schools because, like, I was with a company and, like, they were working with Mastery. And, you know, Mastery got elementary school. High school, they got schools in Camden, they got schools here, right. which I didn't realize until I started working for that company. So like, I might be in high school one day, elementary school one day. So I started getting to see different levels of kids, different ages of kids, and I started to find my niche. So and what, and what age group was that? I like probably like from sixth grade on up, like the teenagers going mm-hmm. to high school. Like that's like more of my like that's where I feel more comfortable. When it comes to teaching and probably even coaching, like, I just feel as though that's where I can get through to people more. Nah. So, um, recommend me three three guys you want me to interview on the podcast. Three guys. Um, I say you get scoop on here. Um, uh, another guy, Mark Thomas. He was like has a story similar to mine. He where he like was under the radar. He like um went to D three and ended up being able to play overseas. Like he got a good story. Where you from? He from the city? Yeah, he's from Philly. I think he's from North Philly. Like I came across him like playing overseas. We actually was at the same camp together. We were the two guys that like got contracts out of the camp and like so he was like over in El Salvador killing, but he was in a lower league, but he was like destroying. And like that was another thing. Like he should have been in the, the top league. He was over there destroying. But like just um, interacting with him, like he had, he got a good story. And who else? Um, did you get Tony up yet? Yeah. Shamal. Yeah. I got Shamal. You got Tony. Uh, who else? 
Oh, no, man. That's a lot of guys. Give me a non-Numa guy. A non-Numa guy. Mark a non-Numa guy. Mark looks like Del Val. Um, Who else? Well, you do everything, so who else got a nice story out there? I would say Lavello. Give Lavello a fair. She, like, big on the fashion scene. She got a nice story. She from our neighborhood. I don't need to get her on the yeah, man, give me give me that concept. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She built the clothing line from the ground up, fresh out of South Philly, man. Like, you don't get no better than that. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I want to thank you for coming up here and doing the podcast, man. We really enjoyed your story, man. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate what you're doing here, man. You're doing a big thing. Oh, man, thanks. Well, what's up?